it is this unifying thing to share a laugh. Something that, like I said, I'm still figuring out what all the social benefits of it are. Sharing a laugh with an individual does get you a very quick insight into how their brain works. And, and you see very often when you share something, you both find something funny together, that there is a quick, even, even if you're just looking at each other in the, in the little Zoom screens, that almost without fail, the laughter at the end of the show is way heavier than the laughter at the beginning of the show. You will start to see people, okay, shoot, I probably shouldn't have laughed at that. Then you look, you're like, okay, well, looks like everybody else kind of laughed at that too. And so just by the end of it, you can just see people becoming closer through laughter. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, specialist HR recruiters. Now, whether you're listening to this for the first time or the hundredth time, let me take this opportunity to thank you all for joining me today on what I think is going to be a really exciting and interesting deep dive into the world of culture, social impact, and comedy. Yes, you heard that correctly. More to come on that in just a minute. Before I introduce today's guest, though, let me just say, if you enjoyed the show, please remember to subscribe to it. If you have a moment, please review it. That'd be amazing. Share it with all your HR friends, colleagues, and leaders you think might benefit. And remember, it's available on all major podcast channels. Right, enough of that. On to today's guest, because today I am joined by Stephen Campbell, stand-up comedian, social entrepreneur, and owner of U Street Comedy. Now, I've invited Stephen to join me on the HRLND podcast today because he's developing exciting and innovative new ways to make a social impact, and that's all through comedy. His mission is to provide an alternative way of thinking through humour, an alternative business model through social enterprise, and an alternative way to fundraise through art. Now, to put this into some context for all of you HR leaders out there, no matter where you're based, if you're in the US, you're in the UK, if you're elsewhere in Europe, Stephen is hoping to raise $25 million for partner nonprofits. In addition to that, speaking my world, he wants to create 250 self-sustaining jobs for comedians and artists and inspire 50 new social enterprises to employ a business model that meshes passion, social and financial incentive by 2025. He intends to achieve this by inspiring others and partnering with corporates like you and nonprofit organizations one stupid joke at a time. So he also has his own podcast called Nonprofits. I'll put a link to that in the episode notes if you want to find out more. But let me get us jump in. Stephen, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me, Nick. I appreciate you, man. Now, my absolute pleasure. Let's start straight off the bat then. It's, it's a question that I know people listening to this are going to think, you know, how on earth is this connected? Your business brings comedy and HR together. They're two things traditionally we wouldn't necessarily think of connecting. So tell me about that connection. Why have you mixed comedy with HR? Sure. Um, honestly, in the last two years, there has been more of an appetite for it than there probably was before that. We were doing a lot of fundraising work before. We were doing a lot of a lot of fundraising for big nonprofits, American Cancer Society, obviously here in the States. But the appetite for virtual comedy shows really picked up once the pandemic happened for obvious reasons. 
the combination, it, it, it all just slowly started meshing in one after another, right? So I've been doing comedy for eight years. I've been a fundraiser for 10 years. And we started getting more and more corporate gigs, more and more groups with uh, the Harvard alumni and Ivy League schools and stuff like that, which slowly gravitated into doing shows for uh, different corporate groups. And honestly, on both fronts, both the virtual shows and the even talking to people in HR about comedy, there was a little bit of a pushback and I thought that there wouldn't be as much of an appetite for it. But the biggest response that we've got is that people have inside jokes amongst the office. There's a lot of people that these shows are very interactive. So it is something that brings people together uh, and really ties teams together and ties culture together. About 25% of our business is just repeat business. Um, it's just a lot of people just happy that, uh, that you're able to tie their teams together through comedy. So we work with people from Comedy Central, HBO, um, where we have just regular stand-up comedy shows. And then we have a lot of partnerships with groups like Lululemon and Kellogg's, where we will write customized shows that have to do with certain social impact. So right now, mental health is obviously sure. a very big topic matter that a lot of people are talking about. And so it's been very interesting that we've been able to utilize some of these comics that were out of work for a while and use some of their writing capabilities and start to write these customized shows specifically having to do with mental health and specifically having to do with food scarcity. And, you know, um, we work with a lot of comics of all different races, cultures, and there's been a lot of appetite for diversity and inclusion discussions as well. So that's been an interesting thing to be the front man as far as the sales and the business development side of things, but then kind of taking a back seat and allowing a lot of my colleagues, comedians, it's weird to call comedians colleagues because we are a very weird bunch, <laughs> but being able to employ some of these guys uh, to write some of this customized content for all of these conversations that need to be had and offering a little bit of levity to it. Uh, it's, it's been a wild ride the last two years, but I can now, imagine. Yeah. So what the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm sure it won't just be mine. There'll be the leaders listening to this going, right, you've just mentioned two huge issues impacting HR departments. Now, you know, you mentioned mental health, you mentioned diversity and inclusion. The idea of, bringing comedy into that conversation will probably scare many people. They'll think, well, how on earth can you can you bring comedy to such serious issues? So talk to us a little bit about that. You've mentioned some big client names, likes of Kellogg's in there. They're coming to you to help them with, the, with these issues, help them bring into the forefront, as you say, make social impact. So tell us a little bit more about how you approach those subjects in a way sure. that actually you know, has a social impact for good. Sure. So a lot of comedy comes from absurdity. Right. And so uh, some of the comedy kind of writes itself and just kind of pointing out the absurdity that certain certain things exist. Right. Um, with diversity and inclusion, I, I can't speak for the UK, but in the US, there is, for lack of better words, almost a comical disparity between certain groups. And so when you are able to have people from those different walks of life share their stories and share them in a comical way. It is something that psychologically we put up certain walls when somebody contradicts something that goes against our identity, right? So if I were 
to really believe that everything in the U.S. is right in, in terms of racial disparity and stuff like that. If I really, really believe that for somebody to come in and just tell you straightforward, no, that is it's not OK the way that things are going. There are these psychological walls that go up and it's very difficult to have a conversation between two people that are on completely different sides of a conversation like that that's very strongly ingrained in their identity when you use comedy those walls don't go up and you're able to kind of get thoughts and get stories and share uh share your stories with people before they put those psychological walls up so it is this thing that on one end it allows you to have tougher conversations without people really getting very guarded but it is also a lot of these conversations are so charged that it, it becomes emotionally draining to really have that conversation. Right. And so when people are able to do it in a lighthearted way and have some levity in those conversations, it is something that we have found is very effective. One of the shows that we are talking to uh, some of the bigger production companies about putting together with, I don't want to jinx it, but just it, <laughs> It looks like a show may be coming, but the format is essentially we highlight a social issue and then we highlight people that are working to alleviate that social issue. And the through line is a fundraising comedy show. The reason that we saw like kind of a need for the, the conversation in that way is because so many of the documentaries, whether it's environmental or whether it has to do with racial disparity, the conversation ends with a period that is so we're screwed right like so like you know that's kind of always the messaging is this is a really bad issue especially on the environmental conversation is it's a very bad issue that is coming for all of us and you're screwed if you don't do everything right now people people kind of they they don't really react to that like some people do right some people do but some people don't don't really react to that messaging and don't really embrace it where we try very hard to create actionable insight that people can, you know, replicate the work that other people are doing in their own communities and stuff like that. And everything that you set up top is all true. And it sounds like such a fire hose of information, but on one end we are doing corporate stand-up comedy shows where the conversation is just how do we bring everybody together on the team uh, through laughter and the other stuff that we do is more customized social impact programming sure. that is either fundraising or uh, to bring awareness to certain causes. So let's bring it back slightly. I think you mentioned right at the start of this, you've been a fundraiser for 10 years, a comedian for eight. So it's, it's really worth mentioning here that your foundations are all in social change and you are very passionate about making a difference and obviously using your skills as a comedian to bring those things together. So they're really, really important things for you. And as founder of U Street Comedy, there's a reason you've come up with that name. I'd love if you could just share, and I've obviously found this through my research, but share with the, the listeners today about how you came up with the name U Street Comedy and, and I guess your, your mission statement behind that name. Sure. So I started doing comedy in Washington, D.C. And so D.C., uh, I don't know, statistically speaking where it sits, but it, it's huge amounts of nonprofits per capita, right? And so in uh, fundraising, there was a lot of work to be done, right? So many nonprofits needed work. Where we first started doing our comedy shows is in a neighborhood called U Street, D.C., where they have alphabetical, there's A Street, B Street. So we were right at U Street. Um, most of the work, so my master's is in social enterprise um, with a focus on food systems. 
So the first businesses that I started were all focused on how to improve agricultural systems. So uh, it was 26.5 million people that live in what's called a food desert in the United States. So that means that they don't have access to produce, essentially. Sure. Um, I know after the pandemic, that number spiked quite a bit, and I don't know exactly where it sits now. So I'm using old data. But so the first business that I started was how do you take would-be wasted food? We 40% of perishable food in the United States gets wasted, or 20% of perishable food doesn't even make it off the farm because it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. So the first business that I started was how do you take that would-be wasted food through a food truck business model uh, into food deserts, right? I was not equipped to do it. <laughs> I just, I, um, I've had a lot of very lofty ideas with businesses that didn't really work. And so I've been running my own businesses in some capacity for shoot seven years now. And for a very long time, I comedy was over here. Business was over here that I was trying to make a social impact, but that kind of sat over in this orbit over here. And so U Street is the product of finally meshing all of that into one stream. Super. So, um, and that's why U Street, S-T-R-E-A-T, was because a lot of it was focused on food-centric projects. So, I mean, you've managed to bring that stuff together now. You are now working with HR teams with some of the biggest corporates in the world, right? And, and, and you're delivering your, your comedic service to help make a social impact. Tell us a little bit then about how Laughter has really supported company cultures. There's a lot of companies, HR professionals, trying to evolve their company cultures at the moment, particularly post-pandemic. And, and kind of some of the work you've been doing with HR teams, I guess, during the pandemic, post-pandemic, how you've seen things change. Um, it'd be great to, to get an insight from your side of the, side of the, of the fence, really, on how you're using comedy to, to support company cultures. Yeah, so we incorporated U Street uh, in this capacity, uh, January 2020, right? So we went all eggs in the basket of live performances and fundraising. And boy, was that a bad bet, <laughs> initially, right? But because things were so weird during the pandemic and because we were able to pivot into the virtual format pretty quickly, business actually grew probably a lot quicker than it even would have because it was this thing that people uh, in both spaces, right? The nonprofit space, there's lots of old established nonprofits that really, um, they expect most of their fundraising to come from big galas and stuff like that. They could not have. And so they were much more open to crazy wonky ideas. Um, same with the HR groups that they were grasping at straws to figure out how do you, you know, there's so many companies that they run on corporate culture yeah. and, and, and I don't know if it's as much the same in, in the UK, but there's a lot of companies that they lean too heavy into corporate culture and not really into paying their employees. Well, <laughs> you know, like, and stuff and stuff like that, that there are some companies that lean too heavily into the corporate culture. And so a lot of these HR groups that we'd be talking to, like we're, we're losing people quick. Like there were a lot of people that were, especially at the beginning of this year, 2021, there were a lot of people leaving. Right. And so there was just a real big desire to, we have to do something different. We have to do something new and we have to figure out ways to keep people, you know, a happy. We were getting emails, especially at the tail end of last year that you forget that there's a social utility to comedy. 
right? As a comedian, you know, in January, 2020, I think I did 40 shows and it at a certain point it becomes mechanical and you start to be kind of robotic with it. You're just kind of yeah. tweaking little parts of it and you're saying the jokes a certain way and you kind of want to lose touch of the fact that you're, you're doing something that's kind of cool and kind of fun until you start getting, until the pandemic happened where we started getting emails from the head of the HR team or sometimes we would get like an email from them to like, hey, they were asking if they could, or, you know, our, um, our employees were asking if they could reach out to you directly. It was like, yeah, of course. And you started re- receiving all these emails of like, yo, that was the first time that I laughed in a month. Like that was the first time that I laughed. There was a lot of, especially deep in the pandemic, lots of people saying like, hey, this is the first time that we laughed. <laughs> this is the first time that yeah. we were able to interact with people and laugh. And it was this thing that was kind of eye-opening for me anyway was, I forgot the social utility that comedy has and laughter has, right? I, I, I the probably adjacently answers your question, but the response, not to say that we were lucky, but because people were so hungry for new ideas, we probably got our foot in the door in a lot of places that we sure. may not have done before. Certainly during a pandemic, right? As you say, a lot of people were unable to laugh in the way they would usually would. HR departments massively stretched, handling all the different legislation, different changes, people going on furlough, people coming back and trying to engage their staff, which instantly went remote as in lockdown, which was a whole new challenge. I'm sure that probably helped you because you started delivering shows virtually, which now means you know people in the UK can book you and, and get, get your shows working in the UK as well, which is fantastic. But it, you're absolutely right. Certainly post-pandemic, and we're seeing it as a recruitment agency, A, there's a massive war for talent right now because people have been voting with their feet. They've been leaving businesses. They're choosing to work for companies that engage them. And it's not necessarily just about pay or just about, you know, I've got a job now. It's about they're able to, to, to select where they work based on the yeah. company that gives them the balance, the flexibility, the comedy, whatever it is they're looking for in their lives. And that, that's been a massive shift here in the UK. And HR departments and HR leaders listening to this now will, will, I'm sure, be nodding their heads going, you know what, we've been under so much pressure. I would love the, to able just have a little bit of time to laugh, let alone laughing. I need to find the time to do it. They've been so stretched here in the UK. So I think it's, it's, it's a great service. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there thinking, you know what, I'd love to have a, a good laugh. I had the time to find it. With your shows, though, because in, in the UK, we've got loads of different sectors, we've got different industries, you know, every HR department is very unique and very, very different. How do you work with HR teams and leaders to understand what will work in their specific business? You know, what, what's your fact-finding mission? How do you go about making sure a show is going to have the, the, official, the, the effectiveness that you want it to deliver? Sure. So right up top, the first two questions that I always answer is content. We keep it at a PG-13 or safe for work level right yep. so that it, without fail no matter what industry that is the first question that we get so uh we always want to make sure that whoever's giving us an opportunity is put in a good light and not uh you know as soon as we close our zoom uh they're not getting fired you know so so without fail that is going to be one of the questions in the checklist um the other one that we get a lot is the uh make up the diversity of the lineup. So we always make sure that we have as many different perspectives as possible coming into each comedy show. Um, very lucky to be in New York City and work with comics in LA as well that, you know, like I said, we're able to work with some really really strong names from Comedy Central and HBO and stuff like that. And so the, those are the first two questions that we always get and I will just answer them right up top, the content and diversity. Outside of that, it's just, just questions, you know, I mean, it's, 
I, I don't know how many people are listening that are also in sales, but that was, you know, my background for a lot of stuff. I did automotive crash research consulting and did a lot of sales there and did a lot of sales for startups and stuff like that. But it's always just questions, you know, what, how do you envision the ideal event? What do you want out of this event? You know, um, sometimes it's something as simple as a company happy hour. Sometimes it's, you know, we had digital trade shows at one point that that was, that was a crazy phenomenon that only lasted for a couple months. So it is just a question of what do you want out of this event, right? And then it's just how do we infuse comedy into that event, right? Like we've had uh, more than I ever would have thought HR groups reaching out for roasts of the boss, whether that was a big all hand sales meeting and the head of sales is being surprised with a bunch of comics roasting them. The, I don't get that part of that mentality, but there is something, there is some appetite for bosses getting t- taken down a peg, I guess, from okay. yeah, so, nice. so, yeah, so it, it was always, it was just a lot of questions. You know? gonna, if you want to get a laugh, right, bringing anyone's boss down is always going to be funny for the employees and engagement. That, that's, that's a guaranteed, right? No, and I, it's just not my, my lane. Like, I'm just so bad at yeah. that stuff. So I would always let other comics kind of take the, take the show itself. But it just really depended on what they needed. Was it something that just like, you know, spirits are down. We would just love to laugh. We're stressed out. It's end of the quarter where we're, or beginning of the quarter that we're celebrating certain level of sales or business or whatever it is. Comedy can be used to console, but comedy can also be used to celebrate. So it is just a, it is just a question of just asking questions. I mean, I will put a link in the episode notes to your, the US Street, uh, well, I say US Street, that's how it's spelled, the ustreet.com uh, uh, website in the episode notes. But I have to say, you've got your roster of comedians on there as well. It is very diverse. It's, you've got some ex- excellent names and some really strong comics on that site as well. So if anyone's interested, you know, go and have a look and have a browse through. It's, it's a really interesting site that gives you more information. On that website as well, you also talk about, I and mean, going back here, you talked about this a little bit already, about social change. But you talk about, it's really important that, social change is seen through businesses, that businesses are taking a lead in pushing social change, impacting social change. You know, and businesses have a part to play in that. Corporate entities have a part to play in that. So can you tell us a little bit more about your view on that and what business can really do to have an impact? Yeah, so I believe that we as a society are moving in the direction that social impact and social good is becoming more and more at the forefront of what we should be focusing on, right? And you see it in consumer demand. And again, I'm taking data from the US, uh, 73% of millennials when given an identical product, two identical products, will choose the one that is making a social impact, right? Or an environmental impact. Because there is consumer demand for it, you're seeing companies adapt accordingly. And then you, like you were saying, that you're seeing it more in the corporate culture. You, You, what, the company is doing on a publicly and what they're doing to make their own social impact is guiding decision-making for kids out of college. It's guiding decision-making for a lot of people in their job choice. Let's take it a step further then. So when you're delivering the, the projects that you do that obviously often can relate to serious issues like mental health, like diversity and inclusion, like employee engagement, which is a serious issue for many HR departments up and down the UK, you know, which is just trying to keep their employees engaged and having fun and, and loving the place that they work. 
What's some of the feedback you're getting from the HR leaders you're working with? What's what's typical feedback? Constructive, negative, positive? You know, what are you hearing post-event? I'm not just saying it to say it. I, I keep on waiting for the bad review and we haven't got it yet. And we're, we're talking to some nervous HR people when we start these shows. The amounts sure. of emails that we're getting the day of, just like, hey, just so you know, it starts at this time. And just so you know, we did say the content needed to be clean. And just so you know, and we, we get a lot of it. And we've been very pleasantly surprised that every review has been very good. You know, um, and like I said, it's about 25% of it is of businesses return business. But the one comment that I've heard so many times, and I think the most recent one was Capital One that was saying it was, we now have inside jokes amongst the office, right? Because you have, yeah, and it it was just this thing that kind of clicked that hearing people's positive responses has been kind of the lifeblood of, of keeping me going, right? Because so many people felt very listless and during the pandemic and to keep getting those emails and keep getting those responses of, Hey, this is the first time we were able to laugh in a very long time. Our company, you know, our, our sales group within the office. Now we have all these inside jokes and a lot of the shows are very interactive. So, you know, maybe the comedian says a joke to one of the people that works at the company and they say, I, they have a banter back and forth. Now all of a sudden that banter back and forth has become an inside joke that everybody keeps on repeating around the office. They, there's just been a lot of stuff that I did not foresee. It, I wasn't really thinking of the team building aspect of this. It was just kind of developing out of necessity since we kind of been put in the corner. It's like, shit, well, I guess we've got to do these virtually now. I didn't really expect that positive of a response, but we just kept getting different responses like that. That sure. uh, the uh, the inside joke part was the one that we we get the most. And now that we're doing shows in person, that part of it is interesting because now we're starting to see a lot of people when they are seeing their their fellow employees for the first time. Yeah, and so and now it's this experiential thing that. You know, there, and I'm sure you've got the same experience. That there's so many people that I'm still seeing for the first time in person, right? I, I had a fundraising event last night that it was this whole team that I've been working with since August of last year. That we've done a bunch of fundraising events through the year that were mostly virtual, and this is the first time that I've seen so many of them in person. Yeah, and sure. Tying everybody together through the comedy show and having everybody, you know, there's just an energy about it that everybody's so happy to be seeing their coworker for the first time, and now we're sharing laughs. And it is something that really does help with team building and really does help bring people together, whether they work together or not. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. I'll argue that I think comedy is under-researched in the world of business and, and particularly in HR, right? It doesn't matter what you do, from my perspective, whether you, you know, what job you have, what sector you work in, whether you have a job, whether you're at home, as you're a parent, it doesn't matter what you do. Laughter is like super important 
sure. for everybody, right? And as laughter therapy now exists. And that's because the people recognize that if you laugh, you are happier and it, it, it releases endorphins in the brain, all these things that go with it. But I, despite us all knowing that, and we know that inherently from, from being children, right? We're still not seeing it utilized, I don't think, to its to its full potential, particularly in a business capacity, which obviously is something that you are hoping to tap into and are tapping into with, with great success. But from your perspective as a professional in the world of laughter and comedy, why do you think laughter is so important? And, and how can we use laughter to make it purposeful from a business? And you've talked about this already, I know, and maybe you've already answered some of these questions, but how can we use that laughter and its importance to really make purposeful impact beyond the team building thing that you've you've just talked through? I think that part of it is not the most HR-iest HR question or HR-iest HR answer is people need to just loosen the hell up. Yeah. Cleaned up my language last second, but people need to loosen up, you know, and so many corporate cultures are just so rigid, you know, and it's just, and it's very difficult to, see your coworkers as full-fledged humans. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's very sure. hard to get their full breath of, of being a human, right? Like this is just a person that helps me with accounting and we've never really got to know what you know who they are. Right. And so when you are able to get people talking about, uh, who they are and you're able to see what they laugh at and you're able to see that very often we're laughing at the same stuff whether we may not see eye to eye about how this report is supposed to be formatted right and like you may be butting heads all the time about that in the grand scheme of things very trivial stuff it is this unifying thing to share a laugh something that like i said i'm still figuring out what all the social benefits of it are sharing a laugh with an individual does get you a very quick insight into how their brain works. And, and you see very often when you share something, you both find something funny together that there is a quick, even, even if you're just looking at each other in the, in the little zoom screens that almost without fail, the laughter at the end of the show is way heavier than the laughter at the beginning of the show. You will start to see people, okay, shoot, I probably shouldn't have laughed at that. Then you look, you're like, okay, well, looks like everybody else kind of laughed at that too. The biggest pushback that we hear is it's an HR, it's HR professional that wants to keep their job, right? So they don't want to take the the risk on what is this crazy comment going to say? And so it is something that, like I said, we say up top, the content's always tailored, we keep it at a level, but when everybody starts in that mindset, right? Like all very often. And so I usually host the show. So usually my goal is not even to kill and just make people hysterically laugh is just to kind of get them all on board with this is a comedy show, loosen the hell up. Let's, you know, very often it's like a happy hour. So people are having drinks and stuff like that. But it is this thing that at the beginning of the show, laughter is always less than the end of the show. And Maybe I shouldn't say simultaneously I'm hosting the show and at the beginning there's no laughter, (laughs) but it is something that as everybody starts to get more and more comfortable with each other and more and more comfortable with like, okay, this is okay to laugh at, even if it maybe is a little outside of quote unquote professional realm, right? And so just by the end of it, you can just see people becoming closer through laughter. Um, I mean, I'm a huge huge convert here, right? So I, I saw some of your work 
invited you to the show because I think this is a really important message. I, I see every day with the work that I do in, in HR recruitment, just how stressed out HR leaders are and HR professionals are trying to manage everything in a minute. The new world of work is is, is moving at such a pace. And, you know, you mentioned there the world of Zoom is what the world we live in now. And until we have, you know, the ability to teleport, which may be developed one day later, we're going to be stuck with this kind of video globalization process of being able to communicate, you know, cross borders instantly in video as we are right now, which is, which is you know, has a huge benefits as well. You talk then a lot about some of the impactful work that you're doing and some of the results and that laughter and how I believe that's really, really important. Um, I also know that some of the work that you're doing isn't just about making people laugh. Right? You're, you want to create a better world. You're hugely passionate about having a, a social impact. Things that have been going through, like black, I know you did a lot of work with the Black Lives Matter campaign and you've, you've really tried to help push the agenda for social change, which is great. So I want to finish with this. It's quite a big question and you have covered this. But I want to hit to come from you before we enter the vault, which is how impactful is it? Because interestingly, if I go right back to the start of this podcast, you said in terms of your clients, 25% of them are repeat clients. And it may be that the first meeting you meet is just breaking down the barriers to what the work you want to do. But they're rebooking you and they, they, you know, you're seeing this then have an impact over time. I think you mentioned a moment ago, one of the clients you've been working with since August over many events in different trade shows. What's the impact of the work you're doing? And what impacts are you seeing in the work you're doing over a period of time? We're very excited for where things are going. What we are doing is, it's very broad and it's something that I had to be comfortable with, not all of it happening all at once, right? Just like any business, you need a couple case studies of success. You need for people to really, to really sign on with you. Very often they need to see some, some level of success. We are hitting a point right now that is very exciting that there's, it's hard to say because some of these projects are not okay to talk about, but there are some really big companies that we're starting to work with. And all of it is because we did like one quick happy hour comedy show that was just, you know, just a straightforward comedy show that was just to make people laugh while they were getting drinks we'll talk with them and talk to them about, you know, these are the social things that are important to us. We also have a podcast where we specifically focus on different social issues and different nonprofits that are working to alleviate those social issues. And so it's just all of this stuff that I'm talking about is just slowly meshing into one couple lanes. We are getting to a point right now where more companies are becoming more comfortable with Okay, we've seen the comedy that you do. That seems safe for our brand to be tied to. What are your ideas on the social impact? And that is that is probably my biggest strength is figuring out how strategic relationships between different groups can result in a social impact. And so as we tie more and more groups and I have relationships with more and more groups and I introduce more people, um, some of these projects become, you know, five, six different groups, nonprofits and corporate groups all tied in. And so I will put together an idea of like, um, one, I'll, I'll give you an idea that got, that ended up not working because that makes more sense. So there's the boys and girls club here in the U S I'm not sure if you're familiar boys and girls club is, um, they do after school programs and lots of summer camps and stuff like that. Right. Sure. And, uh, cheese it's who is a Kellogg's brand 
they wanted to do a lot more with uh, feeding kids and after school programs. And so I had the relationship over at Boys and Girls Club and had the relationship at Cheez Its and put together this whole 30 uh, stop nationwide tour where we were tying in um, funding after school programs for kids that can't afford it while also funding getting healthy food and healthy food education and stuff like that. And so it was a whole nationwide tour where the parents would get a comedy show in one room. The kids were brought to this play place and they were taught about all sorts of stuff. And so I, I say that as an example, because as these relationships grow and as these relationships strengthen and we're able to work with each other and learn how to work well together, it is all about collaboration and it is all about tying in the work that people want to do, people are doing, and just, I, I guess, I guess I'm connecting just as yeah. much as I'm putting together these strategic relationships. Um, well, my, my last, my last question, which I think you've just answered, albeit in a slightly different way, was going to be before we enter the vote here to re, re to reverse engineer the question really, where if you, commercially found success in making businesses laugh, but it didn't result in any social impactful change, would you still be doing it? But I know that you've been a fundraiser and philanthropist for longer than you've been a comedian. So I think I know the answer, but obviously yeah. you're also a business owner and someone trying an entrepreneur, right? So if it wasn't having the social impact that it's having, where would that leave you? Or is it an irrelevant question? Because it is. My goal is very lofty. My goal is to help change the face of business that social impact and financial incentive are tied together, but it's also coupled to artistic pursuit, right? And that is difficult. And I have to remind myself all the time that to do things that are difficult, you have to be okay with them moving a little slowly, um, which is not the typical mindset of a business owner that it's yeah. usually maximize profits. Let's, let's go to the moon kind of a thing. I'm comfortable with the fact that it's going to move slow. And so that means that we will take some projects that maybe the social impacts, not all the way there, maybe the social impacts there, but it's not the funniest, you know? And yeah. so it is this thing of understanding that developing strong relationships is going to be what's most important to really get all of the check marks or uh, check boxes marked. Perfect. And that's a great way to, to, to finish those questions because I know how important that was to you and I wanted to finish on that note with you as well. Let's open the HRLND vault for some quick fire questions for you. Opening the L&D vault. So in hindsight, what's the one thing you now know that you wish you'd known when you began your career? I wish that I knew it was okay to do something that I liked doing that work so often was conflated with displeasure that I was doing a lot of work where I was focusing on making money and I was focusing on all sorts of things that were not very important to me, but they were important from a societal standpoint. And so I really wish that early on, you know, I didn't start comedy until later and I didn't start all these things that I am passionate about. I wish I would have known that it was okay to just focus on what I love doing and really focusing on it. And eventually, if you keep focusing on what you love doing, 
good things will happen and money will find you. Yeah, love that. It's a great, there's a great lesson in there for everyone to hear, regardless of what it is you want to achieve in life. So I love that answer. If you could give one piece of advice to the world of HR, to everyone working in HR right now, what would it be? Loosen up. <laughs> laugh. I, yeah. I know that, uh, that the HR professional's job is stressful and it is you've got to maintain a certain culture and stuff like that but i i i don't keep that advice just for hr uh we take life too damn seriously right and it doesn't just go for hr it goes for everybody when you break it down most of our jobs are just not as important as we're really letting our brains allow us to believe that they are and so just loosen up take a breath breathe a little bit Great. The last question in the vault. You're working with some big brands, some big leaders. You've got a great roster as well on your uh, on your website of comedians you're working with. What's the guiding principle or behavior that you see in the greatest leaders that you've worked with? The people that I admire and the people that I look up to, right? It's not the Bezos take everything, leave no prisoners type. It's yeah. the, I'm doing something that I love doing and I'm becoming so good at it because I really love doing it. I'm thinking very, very much of just like artists and stuff like that. It, actually, do you know Gary Vandertrick? Do you know Gary? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's a guy that uh, from a business standpoint, like he just loves business, right? He's, He's passionate, like, so passionate, so passionate. Right? Yeah. And that is what I admire is when people have been able to find what it is that they love, which is hard, which is you've got to keep trying stuff until you figure out what it is that you do love and then really focus on it. But those are the types of people that I do admire. There's like, wow, you found what you loved and then you just kept doubling down on what you loved and you just grew in that space. So yeah, I guess that answers that. It does. Well, listen, Stephen Campbell, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the HRND podcast today. Can you tell us a little bit more about where they can find out more about the services you provide? I'll obviously put your link in the show notes so people can go straight there to find your website, which is uh, ustreet.com or usstreet.com, depending on how you want to pronounce it or spell it. Yeah. Uh, anywhere else we can find out more about your services? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I just, I'm not the best at social media, but Stephen Campbell Comedy, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Campbell Comedy. I, again, I can't say too much, but some big stuff's about to happen in the next year. Right. So um, tune in now and get in early and and uh, come laugh with us. Super. I'll put that show, that link in the episode notes as well. And of course, you have your own great uh, podcast, which I'll also put a link to, which is called Nonprofits, hosted by yourself and uh, and Frankie French. And you, you, know, you talk about jokes, you focus on specific social issues, relate them to nonprofits. For those listening to this, there'll be many i'm sure who are passionate and interested in those subject areas i'll put a link to your podcast go check it out it's great it's well worth a listen again the thing that i can't talk about watch that podcast because that is where there's about to be some crazy growth um, oh, super okay cool heard it here first hr and podcast there you go something to look out for so we'll look out for that so go and subscribe to that podcast straight away and you'll get that news first of course if you're an hrnd um leader and you're listening to this podcast and you've got a vacancy you need support with you need some advice in the world of hr and L&D recruitment please get in touch with myself you can find out more about us at www.jgarecruitment.com it just leaves me to say a huge thanks stephen campbell for joining me today on the hrnd podcast to talk about the link between comedy and HR, so, so important. So glad I could have you on the show to bring it to life because we can make social change. We can have a social impact through comedy, doing some of the work and employing some of the techniques and, and advice that you've given today on the today's show, Stephen. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. 
thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.